Namaste. So we continue the series on Shurbindo's life through his poems. And today we take up one of the amazingly remarkable poems. Even more remarkable because he wrote it at the age of 10. And it was published in one of the magazines in England. As we know that Shurbindo had been to England at the age of seven, his father had taken him. He went along with uh, Shubindo's physical mother and uh, the three brothers, they all went to England where he was uh, kept with the Druids. So Druids were, because he wanted his uh, children to have a thoroughly English education. His father was a very kind and generous person, so much so that he would give away most of his wealth to everybody. But he didn't believe in God like probably many people of that time when they looked at life with so much of suffering and pain. Uh, quite naturally they believed that probably God does nothing and the only thing that can really help mankind is a kind of is science and through science you improve the conditions of the world. So he was an atheist and during that time when he went to England for one year they stayed. His father came back. And then his mother came back also after one year with little Barin who was uh, uh, given a very Christian name when he was born there initially. <laughs> so it is very interesting that uh, both the brothers became, Shurbindo and Barinda, they became extreme uh, nationalists. The word extreme literally because Shurbindo was regarded as Garamdal. And it's very interesting symbol that when we try to do something with force, <laughs> then the inner strength bursts out even more. So it's uh, it applies throughout life. And in fact, uh, Shubindu describes an experience when he was uh, seven year old. And just before going to England, he experienced a darkness as if from the entire cosmic field invade him. And it was like tamas. And then he says that throughout his stay in England, it stayed with him. This force of tamas. So what was the tamas? If you really look at the world at that time, it was in a state of complete tamas. So tamas is characterized by, on one side, there is complete obfuscation of thought, lack of clarity, a state of degeneration, degradation of everything. And as a paradox, a state of extreme violence. Because violence is the only thing that makes a tamasic man feel alive. So if somebody is very extremely violent, it means he is very weak inside. He is in a state of complete tamas. So if you really look at life at that time, it was a state of utter tamas. Shubindu has not given any meaning to this experience. But to me, it is the entire darkness of the world sought refuge in him. That you are the one who has come to us as a savior. And the efforts of his father to abolish in him or rather not even to let it be exposed, let his heart be exposed to the love for country, love for India, paradoxically actually hasten this bursting forth of this um, you know, inner destiny. Also it's very interesting that Sri had to come back and take the spearhead the entire independence movement at that point of time. Though short point of time it created the dent where it was required. So, it's very interesting that his, uh, 
divine destiny, divinely ordained destiny, because it's not an ordinary destiny, but a divine choice, took him all the way to the den of the very kingdom, which uh, will be overthrown because of the light that will be released through his pen, the light and the fire. So it's very fascinating when we look at it like this. And there at the age of eight, uh, ten, his, in fact, uh, Druid started teaching him Latin, French, English. So she, she used to teach him English uh, regularly. And there are a lot of very funny stories during that time. One of them is that when the brothers were sleeping and somebody knocked at the door, then his elder brother Manmohan, he was also a great poet. So he said, I can't open because I am sleeping. So Shivinda recounts this <laughs> very funnily. Uh, so this is the state in which they lived in a lot of poverty at that point of time. And there was a whole few years when Shivinda would uh, and the brothers, they would subsist on just um, a savloy, uh, like a sausage and a cup of tea, no dinner. And uh, this continued for a long time because the little f- money that father used to send began to dwindle. And he left it to the druids that you take care and I will send you the money. So <laughs> it was not a very comfortable situation, very embarrassing situation. And when we read Shurabindu's memoirs, we see that not a word of anything negative about his father. He speaks always in very kind words. So that is the making of a godlike person. Unlike, we see, what happened to Kern, all his life he remained, a, he became a cynic. And the mother would tell us later, never become a cynic. Cynic means to develop a kind of view of life which is very dark. Uh, in spite of, if we look at Shurabindu's experiences, he didn't have an overcoat uh, during the winters. Not only that, there was no warming capacity. I mean, there was, there was no way that he could even keep the room warm. So those of those people who have been uh, to the Western world, to UK, where the temperatures dip at night and in winters, we know that you know if one day the warming thing it in UK at least it flows through the pipes, all that hot water, and it warms the room. And if if that's not working, it's a terrible state to be in. But they stayed like that, and uh, Shurvinda has only kind words to speak about it. So normally at such point of time when a person is writing a poetry, what would he write? Life is bad, God is unkind, my parents are, <laughs> they, they didn't care, what is this earth? See, that's why um, the other extreme where people take to violent measures like Mao. Now this is the Asuric way, the revolt it is the asuric way of responding to the challenges of life. But the godlike way is mastery. So there is a difference between the two. And asura revolts against the law. Whereas uh, the godlike masters, he understands the play. He tries to understand what it is about and how I can master a situation. Instead of becoming uh, angry that let me snatch somebody's overcoat and uh, put on myself. Uh, let me snatch money and you know make a nice fireplace for oneself. What does the godlike nature will do when it faces the challenges? It it would say that let me master my uh, you know inability to bear cold. Let me master from within. So this is the hallmark of the difference between asura and the godlike. And Shubhendu we know that right from birth he shows godlike traits within him. So this is one of them. And this poem written at the age of 10, as we read, is one of the most profound poems that at least I have encountered. 
But Shurabindo says, oh, that's just a so-so attempt at poetry. <laughs> Shurabindo can say that. But uh, not just poetically. Poetically is one thing. People speak about this poem being influenced by this or that. He, he used to read Keats and Shelley at that time. And one, somebody could say that, you know, it has some kind of a feel of Shelley. But that's not the point. The point is look at the substance that is there in the poem. And of course, the rhythm is something wonderful. Now, when we read this poem, actually, in a way, how I have looked at it, he is describing the beginning of creation. And the divine who is both at the beginning or beginningless state and the endless state through the cycle and um, he takes a human birth. So, actually, this is a poem which in many ways is prophetic. There are lines which do seem to refer to Christ, but that doesn't matter. It's Christ is an avatar in the scheme of things. So obviously, Shobindo was in England. He must have felt the subtle truth of uh, the avatar of the past, whose influence was there in this place. So, but it's about divine, not even divinity. And where does it starts? We we see much later in Savitri starts with it was the hour before the gods awake. Now here he speaks of that primal darkness, and if you really look at. Um, um, the origin of light, actually it emerges from a darkened state. But in that darkness, light is withheld. So it's not that there is original darkness. When the Rig Vedic Rishis say that there is neither night nor day, there is no light nor darkness and we cannot say what there is in, in that state. So that's when, because to see, we need light. Otherwise we won't know what is there. So it is that state when Light is being born. How it is being born? We'll see here, but from the highest standpoint. Ten-year-old, little Shurabindo is writing. From the quickened womb of the primal gloom. Poem is light. From the quickened womb of the primal gloom. So there is a state of gloom, darkness all around. But just before the uh, birth of anything, there is the quickening of the womb. You know, it begins, there are labor pains. So from the quickened womb of the primal gloom, the sun rolled black and bare. So we know this state is there, utter blackness before it is born. That's how in Kathopanishad he says, Na tatra suryo bhati, na chandra tarakam, nema vidyuto bhanti kutomimagni. There is no light there. Why? Because even the sun is like a dark spot. So it is that state which is being described. The sun, but the sun is there, hidden inside. See, Savitra literally the other day also I was saying, Savitra is the sun which is emerging out of the night. So the sun is there, the sun rolled, but it is black and bare. Next line, till I wove him a vest for his Ethiop breast. Who is this I? So till I wove him. He is saying till I wove him a vest for his Ethiop breast. Ethiop is a color which is used synonymous for black. But it is black never in a derogatory way. Uh, in the sense that if you ever want to see the most beautiful people in the world. Nain Naksh ke roop mein. Look at an Ethiopian figure. The most in, People say so and I would completely ratify to that. The most beautiful people, dark. So, Ethiopia is a word uh, used as a synonymous for darkness. Till I wove him a vest. Banyan. 
for his ethio breast. How did he weave a breast? Because there is nothing there of the threads of my golden hair. So this is the original sun, the supramental sun and the hairs are the rays. So he is describing the divine being and he is identified with the divine being till I wove him a vest for his ethio breast of the threads of my golden hair. Shubindo's hair even towards the later part are golden hair. Have you seen such hair of any Indian? Try looking at it. Shubindo's hairs were golden and Champakalalji's hairs were also golden. Of course we know that Shubindo's hairs were completely because of the transformation process and hairs represent, hair represents the inconscient. It's, it's a fact, just look at his hair, no? You can distinguish them because of the color, if nothing else, and of course the bar. Of the threads of my golden hair, and when the broad tent of the firmament, so now he's describing space, because sun has to find a place, no? That light. And when the broad tent of the firmament arose on its airy spars, this is the way the cosmos is created, nobody ever um, has written like that but this is actually true airy spars see the elements so spars is points which you like you know a tent so when you raise a tent what do you do you support it on those um, uh, lati on those sticks with a little bit of um, needle type thing so that the tent is supported so airy spars which is pushing air is expanding this is the nature of air and that's why maruts are known to expand everything. People with lot of vital energy invariably tend to be expansive. So it is expanding space, airy spars. I pencil the hue of its matchless blue and sprangled it around with stars. So amazing. Ten year old. I sprang I pencil the hue. Of its matchless blue space now. Space when he is being created by the air. He is the divine artist. No wonder in who he writes. In the blue of the sky. In the green of the forest. Whose is the hand that has painted the glow. Here he is saying. I am. <laughs> this is the hand of the divine artist. <laughs> because as a child you reveal the inner truth so naturally. I painted the flowers of the Eden bowers. Bowers are shady places, you know, which are like you have those uh, trees and shady cool places. So there all the flowers are being painted by the divine artist and the leaves of living green. So living green is, uh, you know, when they are coming out. Later on it becomes a kind of dead green. <laughs> So look at the marvelous description and mine were the dyes in the sinless eyes of Eden's virgin queen. So virgin queen of course uh, if you search for virgin queen it will take you to Queen Elizabeth which is actually any, one of the vibhutis of the mother. Elizabeth one was called as the virgin queen because she is not supposed to have married. But here of course the Eden's virgin queen is none else but virgin Mary the divine mother. So in her eyes when she is making all this creation, sinless eye, which sees no fault. Here sin is not in terms of sin as we have. Sin is dosha. You know when you make something it's made perfectly. So it is sinless. So sinless in that sense made it to perfection. Sinless eye. Because it's made from the intuitive sense. The moment mind comes in, see when an artist 
writes from the uh, or or draws or paints or a poet writes right from the depths so it is just as it emerges through an intuitive inner sense the moment the mind intervenes is this okay should i should i not and it starts playing with words that's why when shurbindo used to correct a poem or anything you know he took it for people took it for correction he said even the corrections are done by inspiration it is not by the thought and rational intelligence and when the fiend's art in the truthful heart had fastened its mortal spell in the silvery sphere of the first born tear to the trembling earth i fell now look at it the fiend is the fiend is actually evil something which is it does not want the birth to be so it has fastened in the truthful heart which spontaneously expresses love and beauty and joy and light it has put a spell and tied it into knot then i am the one who first emerged now look at it the sinless one the pure one one of the words used in sanskrit for uh, lord vishnu is and krishna is achyutam keshavam narayanam so achyutam literally is here in the sense one who never falls so if you really why because he is sinless nirdosh even in the isha upanishad there is a description of the divine being who is forever pure so when in the man's heart now look the how the avatarvad is being described i mean as as i find it somebody else may have their own understanding or interpretation now evil has fastened uh, in the truthful heart had fastened its mortal spell so mortal is now subject to death so evil has fastened in the heart so truth cannot express itself so what is the first truth light that enters into this earth it is me taking birth the divine being so literally one who is achyutam achyutam literally means one who never falls takes a human birth so i find this so marvelous and and shubhendra has not read any mythology nothing at that point of time these are spontaneous experiences and expressions of a 10 year old little shubhendra the mother looking at his picture there is a picture of shubhendra at 10 she says he is faultless divinely innocent who doesn't know what this world is of course uh, he has gone there to know what this world is and when the fiend's art in the truthful heart had fastened its mortal spell in the silvery sphere silvery sphere is the spiritual first birth is there and then it takes birth upon earth so even if you look at the sun first the light falls into the higher realms and then it enters upon earth in the silvery sphere of the first born tear so from night there is a tearing of the dark veil and the light comes so he is describing the tear and if you connect it to birth then we literally use the word tear so there is a tear and the baby is born to the trembling earth i fell because earth is trembling under the siege of darkness what else this is but avatar you know shivinda is too humble and gentleman so of course nobody has asked him he has not commented much about this poem but uh, every passage reminds us of that when the waves that burst over a world accursed a world has been accursed and condemned to gloom and the waves the cosmic waves you see we read in the again the puranas uh, 
we read the description where hiranyakshas picked up earth and submerged it under the waters sounds very strange earth pe to pani submerge kiya so it is submerged completely under the dense darkness that about the deluge where the deluge comes and the entire earth is plunged into darkness so what happens when the waves that burst over a world accursed their work of wrath had sped so the wrath because you know there is so much darkness sin people have gone into wrong doings and therefore the whole world is drowned and the arcs lone few tried and true amazing line who are these few people in the ark which noah has been asked to choose or king satyavrat tried and true later on he'll write he who would stand upon the truth of his purpose he shall stand even though he seems to fall and pass away on the wings he shall return so that tried tried means nature tries its heart to destroy faith destroy the will but they stand on the truth of their purpose this is said tried and true so and the arcs lone few tried and true came forth among the dead all the rest are dead so it's a whole old world which dies mother has spoken about this that prophets have seen this and there are many who will collapse there is a part of humanity which is condemned this uses the word because it is like an aborted attempt but those who have faith will be redeemed just by the faith that the divine has taken a human birth to redeem that is enough so tried and true came forth among the dead while you know the world is dying collapsing crashing yet there will be few who shall survive in the noah's ark or now we say the mother's golden boat actually she has described that vision of the supramental ship with the wondrous gleams of the bridal beams so they will wear a new bridal it's now you know something new is they are being married now to the lord to the new creation i bade their terror cease so then he tells the waters your deed is done now quieten quieten appease the storm i bade their terror cease as i wrote on the roll of the storm's dark scroll god's covenant of peace <laughs> storm he had raised to destroy the world and then he represents god and says quiet 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 like yamuna touching krishna's feet and then when it touches krishna's feet quiet 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 it goes down it's a very beautiful symbol symbol of god touching a nature which is heaving and wanting to destroy a whole civilization and that is being sent back quiet i have come now i'll handle this you have done your job god's covenant of peace like a ball at rest on the senseless breast night's funeral shadow slept now night is lying down it's done its job funeral shadow where shepherd swains on bethlehem's plain so this is the reference which alludes to christ see the star of bethlehem when christ is born and all the three uh, sages from the east it's a symbolic story who come and give him gold uh, mere and frankincense 
so it is the symbolic story where where shepherds reigns on bethlehem's plains their lonely vigils kept so who remains awake in the night when all around is destruction people are glued who oh, what's happening how many died today what's happening in afghanistan what's happening about the corona world what's happening what's happening now when all this was going around they were keeping vigil for the star for the lord to be born this is so amazing so they were keeping a vigil for god's worth vigil kept when i flashed on their sight the heralds bright so he made them aware when i flashed on their sight the heralds bright of heavens redeeming plan that look here the savior has come earth will be saved so it was flashed on the side and then they they were keeping vigil at the night where is he where is he as they chanted the morn the savior born joy joy to the outcast man so those who have been uh, you know <laughs> this is so beautiful as they chanted the morn the savior born joy joy to the outcast man who is this outcast man who has been outcast from the where is he outcast from from the kingdom of eden where he <laughs> slept in wonder joy everything was nice till mind came in and he fell so he is the outcast man he has lost his paradise and that's why shubhendra in one of his aphorism says each time that you are outcast god casts you out of every paradise so that walking through a moras and desert you may arrive at a greater heaven so now all these outcast who were saying we have lost our beautiful eden are being told wait heaven is being created here kingdom of heaven on earth now it's the description of the divine being born on earth and we can very legitimately apply it to shobindu some people will say no no but this is legitimately you are making it autobiographical what else is a poetic expression but the what what is contained within so there is every legitimate right to say that this is autobiographical because all poetry in fact all creativity is an expression of what is inside so since it is shorbindos it is about shorbindo equal favor i show to the lofty and low though the images of the sun now the sun is arisen light has come so does the light distinguish you are from which religion come you are from which ideology come you are from what uh, caste creed color come no it doesn't equal favor i show to the lofty and low on the just and the unjust i descend people would often ask mother why this person that person she say i am embodiment of love and grace how much you will receive is your problem but the divine doesn't do that in the blind whose veins fears what a description of whose veins fears roll in darkness and tears see the veins fears <laughs> the only sphere they know is the pupils which are full of darkness and they are rolling they either cry or there is darkness but they curse god so they are vain so even the blind as the mother says a day will come when even the blind person will recognize what shurbindo has done for earth even the blind whose veins fears roll in darkness and tear feel my smile the blessed smile of a friend even when you know there is utter darkness we feel the touch of the sun it is daytime it's a fact also 
Even those who are blind, they feel. Sun has arisen, night has come, that they feel. But Sri Aurobindo is taking that image that they also feel my smile. Somewhere their heart is quickened. Nay, the flower of the waste by my love is embraced. You know, the smile of the friend and flower by the way, that story where a man is going and uh, he hears mother's stories and sends one rupee that I probably will never be able to go and see your mother but hearing her story, I feel very enchanted. Can you give her this one rupee from my side? And when it is handed over to the mother, she goes into trance and says... <coughs> Even the divine will find it difficult to repay. So this is the, my love reaches out. There are so many stories. One of them is so fantastic. And I mean, they are true stories. So one of them was when the, the owners of a house, husband, wife, they go and they tell the servant who is staying since a long time, look after the house, we are going to Pondicherry and take care and you know, all the instructions that are usually given. And then they come back. They come back and ask, so was there any difficulty? He said, no, what difficulty? That old man you had appointed, he would come every day and ask me, is everything okay? <laughs> so he said, which old man? Are photo hai na aapke paas. He used to come and ask me every day. They are saying, this servant is so blessed that the Lord came and asked, and if it may sound a fantastic story, I have actually seen, actually experienced not in this way, but in another way, where there was a lady maid servant, here is the slightly different, who was working in our house in Bangalore and she was a criminal, uh, I mean, registered criminal and we didn't know. So she was working in our house and the house of the uh, an army major, ex-major, he had died in the Sri Lanka war. So his wife and two children and two dobermen were there, ferocious dobermen. And the lady was working in both the houses. So we had come to Pondicherry. Now, whose house is easy to steal? Obviously, our house. So, this lady, when we came back, we came to know that everything was stolen from the house below. So, we were wondering, he like, it must have gone from our house, but our house is absolutely fine. Later on, she was caught within 24 hours. And then, everything was revealed. She had made two duplicates key. She had even made friends with the doberman because she is working every day and quietly come at 12 o'clock. Nobody would ever imagine because the lady had gone to teach in the school and the children were away at school. And she used to come for work. And she came, loaded everything and went away. Nobody came to know. She was caught. So she says, Up, upper house also I had made the key and hid in the pot right outside the house. But that moment she couldn't find it. So we searched and found the key. <laughs> So we had, at the end of the whole story, a duplicate key in our hand. <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's actually unimaginable because that, our house was the easiest target. She could just walk in, stay there, ransack, whatever she wanted. So, it's actually, you know, even the wayside flower, we are, who are we? Nobody. There are people who are really engaged in, you know, real sadhana for God knows. And yet he reaches out wherever we are. So, nay, the flower of the waste by my love is embraced. And what is one of the best examples of the flower by the waste is a flower which the mother has named gratitude. You know, gratitude grows on the waste, on the wayside. 
She says, you know, it is sad that it is not valued upon earth. It's a wayside flower. Nay, the flower of the waste by my love is embraced as the rose in the garden of kings. Kings grow roses. But wayside is that flower, gratitude, casual flower. Even that, my love reaches out even to that. At the chrysalis bear of the beer. At the chrysalis bear of the morn I appear. So beer is like, you know, a railing through which you move things. So at the chrysalis is the covering. Like a butterfly's covering before the insect caterpillar's covering in which the butterfly is held. So at the chrysalis bear of the morn I appear and lo the grey butterfly wings. So just by his presence the world begins to change, be held by his sight. The desolate morn. So when the sun first comes, morn is desolate, why it is still reeling under night. Oh, life is such useless. So the desolate morn, like the mourners forlorn, when a world has gone and they are sad and struck with loneliness, conceals all the pride of her charms. Even if it is a king, if somebody closes died, she is mourning alone. If somebody says, you are a king, it doesn't matter. You have lost somebody near and dear. Till I bid the bright hours, chase the night from her flowers and lead the young day to her arms. So he is leading the young day to the arms of the night and the flowers. And when the gay rover seeks Eve for a lover. So this is about the day. Now who is the grey rover? Gay rover. He has not mentioned it. A rover is somebody who is just wandering. And the, in mythology the only, per, only person who keeps wandering around is like a rover is moon. That's how I understand it. Because he is now describing the Eve. And when the gay rover seeks Eve for a lover <clears throat> and sings to her balmy repose, for here it is her. So gay rover is not moon, but probably the rays or something which is like a feminine energy or the moonbeams or the sunbeams, seeks Eve for a lover and sings to her balmy repose. I wrap the soft rest by the zephyr, ziffy, fanned west. So ziffy is the cool breeze that flows by the evening. You must have felt, no? Sometimes very nice breeze announcing the coming of night. So I think it's about the sun rays, which are choosing now Eve as their lover. So, so look at the description. Now when lovers are meeting, night must come in. So that's how it chose Eve for the lover. And sinks to her balmy repose, it needs to rest. I wrap the soft rest by the zuffy fanned vest in curtains of amber and rose. So amber is the yellowish brown. The earth begins to assume that you, amber and rose. And then what happens when the lovers are sleeping, when the rays are with the uh, evening and falling into a balmy repose with her? Light must do its work. It is light. So what does the light do? From my sentinel steep by the night brooded sleep. Now this light as stars appears. 
to guide the paths. From my sentinel steep by the night brooded deep, I gaze with unslumbering eyes. I do not sleep. People may think that I sleep. No, the light doesn't sleep. It wakes up in countless stars and of course the moon. So, I gaze with unslumbering eye when the sinusure star of the mariner is blotted out from the sky. Till then, I keep a vigil and gaze during the night and guided by me through the merciless sea. This sea is obviously the world forces and the world play. Though sped by the hurricane's wings, night we don't know what's happening. Storms come at night and it's speeding and one doesn't know because storm has hit everything. Let you know, later poem to R. When thou canst not see the sky for spray, know that the ship is still safe. Why? Because he does not sleep. The pilot does not sleep. So even when storm comes and hides everything, still he does not sleep. Though sped by the hurricane's wings, his companionless, dark, lone, weltering bark to the haven home safely he brings. Still it is he even when nothing is seen and all around the storms have covered even the last star. Still it is he who carries the boat or the ship through the hurricane, sped by the hurricane in fact, towards the shore. I waken the flowers in the dew-sprangled bars. And then again, so we see the day, the night, Everything is there, pralaya, everything has come. And then I waken the flowers in the dew-spangled bars, the birds in their chambers of green. And mountain and plain glow with beauty again as they bask in their matinal sheen. So once again they come up and they begin to bask, the night is forgotten. So this is the whole story of one day. So one day, the presence of the divine on earth. So, now what does the avatar say at the end? Oh, if such the glad worth of my presence on earth. <laughs> so beautiful. Oh, if such the glad worth of my presence on earth, though fitful and fleeting the while, because night comes in. So he's saying, though fitful. But even in darkness, he is steering the boat. All that he has revealed, there are stars which are shining, which will guide the marina. When there is storm and the hurricane, still it is he who is guiding them toward the shore. Because the winds, hurricane, everything ultimately is the doings of the sun. What glories must rest on the home of the blessed, ever bright with the deity's smile. That if just a moment of the presence of the divine changes the entire tide and destiny of man. If you look at the last hundred years, we see that how an entire world has changed. Some of us may not be able to you know, understand, but just look at history. Look at what was happening in 1914, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. What was happening when the war, second war broke out, what was happening in the Indian scene? You could be just picked up and the justice, system of justice, incarceration, doesn't matter what. 
It was a way of life. Man had accepted this fate. And then the post-war and then the partition, all this that happened. If you just look at all that. And now when we compare that world, who was present, who changed the entire course of things? Shubhinder and the mother are too humble to say that, yes, we did it. Though they spoke about their presence on during the great wars, and of course the mother has said he is the last avatar in a human body, Shurbindo. And we see in the story of stories of avatars that their coming changes the course of time. Because it's like we are given the chance to play the music and divine goes into the background doing the sum. So sum is what you are supposed to tune with, but we forget it. So we begin to play the music and then we begin to the whole thing goes crazy and crazy and it goes into a complete discordant note. So the master says, hold on, wait, give me the instrument. (laughs) So during that one hour, spellbound, we sit and he tunes everything back. And when everything is tuned back, when the new music comes, then he steps back giving us a respite and another age when we can play finely tuned to his will, to his light and his presence upon earth. This is the story of the coming of Ganges, no? That uh, Narada is going and he sees that all these Gandharvas are all Angbhang, birth of Ganges, not upon earth but in the origin. And all of them are all, their Angar Bhang, what is it called? Broken limbs. So he asked them, who did this? He said, men on earth. How could men do it? You know, we are celestial musicians, but you see what men, when they sing, and when they do all this music, they destroy us. So what is to be done? If somebody can once again sing the pure music, or dance to its perfect tune, then we all will be restored. Who could do it? No human being on earth. Who could do it? Then Ataraj, Shiva. They go to Shiva, master musician. Will you do it for us? I can, but I need the mood. (laughs) How will the mood come? If I have audience, see, when the gods need a little bit of audience, so who will be the audience? For Shiva, worthy audience is only Brahma and Vishnu. So they become the audience and when Vishnu, when Shiva starts dancing and singing, then out of Vishnu's heart, most beautiful, sublime, purifying emotions rise. And then Brahmaji captures in his Kamandalu for a future descent of the Ganges. When I hear this story, it reminds me of mother's music. That this is the music which can restore back the equilibrium which we have lost. Shubhindu's poetry, Savitri, the mantra of transformation. It is not just a question of good poetry, sublime poetry, I feel good about it, I understand, don't understand. All that is not important. Just merely reading Savitri, playing it in the atmosphere. It restores the rhythms and harmonies we have lost. And then he concludes by saying that if such be the little moment, Shubhinda says in one of the aphorisms, if mankind could just have a glimpse of what it means, what the divine divinity means, 
then he would easily leave everything and rush towards it. But he says, doubt and despair stand as sentinels on the way. So as we want to go, Mr. Doubt comes in, see, don't listen to all this. All this is for retirement plan. Right now, there is life, grim life. And you must live by the practical necessities of the world. Is there really God? Who knows? Somebody has said, yes, but have you, has this, your uncle, chacha, nobody has seen, very difficult. And despair, distrust, doubt, distrust, despair, distrust. So sometimes you ask, it's a question ultimately of your faith. If you have faith in Shurbindu, then yes. If you don't have faith, if you have faith in the scientists and the voices of the world, then it's a different life altogether. Somewhere you have to invest your faith. So, if mankind once gets a glimpse, it will leave easily everything and move towards those fields. So here, Shubhinda and the mother have come to give us a glimpse of what the supramental life will be. The first superman. The glimpse of that deep compassion, that benevolence, that power, that knowledge, that love and that ananda and that peace. And then now they have stepped behind for the centuries to unfold. This was a seed cast in endless time. A light is shown, a word is spoken, the ages toil to express. So this is the sense in the end. I'll close with these lines. Oh, if such the glad worth of my presence on earth. Of course, Shubhinda, mother has said, he has promised never to leave the earth. Not only he'll be present as a, um, you know, as a consciousness, but as a dynamic presence. Not just as a presence, but a dynamic consciousness, which is working. And after 50, we see so many conversations of the mother, where she speaks about where was Shubhinda, oh, he had gone to, he is taking interest in the selection of the Pope. Then she speaks about he is taking interest in the Indian scene, what is happening, what is happening, where all these cosmic issues they are handling. So, the avatar never withdraws, but we have this wonderful, remarkable lines, Oh, if such the glad worth of my presence on earth, though fitful and fleeting the while, what glories must rest on the home of the blessed? The godlike spaces, ever bright with the deity's smile. And that home of the blessed, the heavens where the deity is always smiling, Shubindo has brought down and established upon earth. Yet we need an entry pass, and that entry pass is faith. Thank you.